0: Welcome to The Sunshine House, a cosy corner where you can curl up and listen to chats with some of Australia's most beloved children's book creators. My name is Annie Louise, author of a bunch of books for kids and also completely besotted with the children's book world. I teach writing to both kids and adults and mentor children's book writers to help you publish your own stories. Here I chat to creators about their process, getting published, maintaining a sustainable career and everything in between. If you're a writer or an illustrator, come and join us over at the Sunshine House Facebook group, a lovely, happy place all about supporting and inspiring book creators. Today I'm chatting with highly acclaimed author Karen Fox Lee. I picked up Karen's first book, Anatomy of Wings, about 13 years ago from a bookstore in Melbourne. I think I was drawn to its cover. The images, characters and landscape, as well as the feeling in this book, have stayed with me all of these years. I later learnt that Karen was one of Australia's most celebrated middle grade authors, with books like Ophelia and the Magical Boy and Lenny's Book of Everything, which made me cry so much on the aeroplane. Basically, Karen can do no wrong. Her books are rich in their emotional world, real landscapes and nuanced family dynamics. We chat today about Karen's new series, Mary Kate Martin's Guide to Monsters, which is out this month with Alan and Unwin, and this is Karen's first novel for younger readers. We also talk about one of my favourite books ever, Dragonskin, which came out last year. Hi Karen, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Hello, how are
0: you? <laughs> yeah, good. Um, well, I'm pretty excited about your new book that's just come out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, the latest one is Miss Mary Kate Martin's Guide to Monsters and mm-hmm. it's book one in a series and it's called The Wrath of the Wollington Worm. So it's about a little girl called Mary-Kate who's got a lot of anxiety and a lot of social anxiety. She lives with her mother in London and with her grandma. And she goes on this journey with her mum who's an archaeologist to a little English village and uncovers a bit of a mystery there and it's the first mystery she's going to solve in the series and it's all about helping monsters
0: in need. Oh, that's so great. So each book is going to be a different mystery. Is that the idea?
1: A different mystery, different yeah. star. Yeah, And she's just a beautiful little character, you know. She's got all the, this kind of inner turmoil and she mm. worries a lot about all sorts of different things. But I just love that despite, you know, in spite of that and despite that and because of that she's really, really good at helping Mm. Monsters. And you know, she's also like learning about herself and accepting herself on the way and mm. learning ways to deal with, you know, her anxiety and her worries.
0: Mm, what a great idea. And what sort of monsters are they?
1: Ah, uh, well, this first monster is a worm, so it's <laughs> kind of a legless dragon uh, that's living underneath this little this little village Mm -hmm. has lived under there you know for centuries Uh, but there's this big shopping center being built and it's sort of disrupted its sort of tranquility and it's Mm. cranky so it's it's all about Mary Kate you know solving the mystery and helping
0: yeah, beautiful. And do you make up the monsters or are they uh, referred to, do you draw on mythology?
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely draw on mythology. So, like, there's lots of different worms in different counties in England and lots of stories associated with them. And I just, like, I just love that kind of stuff. And I loved that kind of stuff when I was a kid. So uh, I hope, you know, little people, young people love it too.
0: Yeah. I, I'm sure they will. It's got all the elements and I love this idea that you're weaving in history as well and mm. archaeology. That's that's not something you've seen often in a middle grade series like this.
1: Yeah, No, I'm excited. I love mm. it. And it's really weird because I've never thought of writing a series. You know, if that's a question you always get asked. Is this a series, you know? And I've never, ever thought of writing a series and yet when I first found the character of Mary-Kate I just knew straight away so it must be about sort of finding the right character to have a series I don't know it was just I'm really glad I found her as a character
0: the whole concept lends itself very well to a series oh, yeah because sure. it's got it's got like the each thing uh, you just change the monster and you change the yeah. mystery yeah so it's it's perfect for that who who is the age group you're writing for
1: Well, I think Alan and Unwin have said sort of six to ten-year-olds, which is totally new for me, Mm. and they're definitely shorter than what I would normally write. They still seem fairly complex to me, but uh, Mm. probably not as complex as my other works, but I reckon it could also be read middle grade as well, though, easily.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great age because there is, I mean, I know when my kids were that age, they wanted something a bit more with a bit more depth and they they wanted the complexity and they weren't really getting it from a lot of the books that were pitched to their age. So I would often read to them middle grade, which was kind of, you know, I knew wasn't too scary or something yeah. like that. So I think it's a great, great age group and definitely a bit of a gap in the market. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. And I also like that I could make it a little bit spooky too. Like I love a little bit of of a fear factor. So there is like a real kind of, you know, coming up to face a monster aspect to it, which is pretty good.
0: Yeah. And where did Mary-Kate come from? Did she just pop into your imagination one day?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think I just... I think I was thinking about monsters in general as you do and just thinking about, you know, just that sort of stuff that I loved when I was younger, you know, all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff. Then just thinking, yeah, I just thought of a character and I knew straight away Miss Mary Kate Martin sounded perfect and she kind of reminds me a bit of Ophelia from Ophelia and the Marvelous Boy, I think, if I was going to think she was similar to any other character I've had. But, yeah, she's pretty fully formed, actually. One of Mm. those marvellous things that happens sometimes. Mm. We don't work too hard at a character.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the idea itself, did it take some grappling with? Did you do much research or kind of journaling or something before you had the idea?
1: No, I just started to write. And I think the first drafts were pretty... I think I was just getting a story down, like they were very, very basic, and I handed them over in that sort of basic form. So there was actually quite a lot of work to do to make them, you know, more readable and, you know, fleshing them out and making everyone not so one-dimensional, which, yeah, was
0: good. (laughs) I can't imagine you ever writing one-dimensional characters.
1: (laughs) No, oh, they were actually pretty, pretty <laughs> one-dimensional, but yeah, it, it's, um, it's been a nice journey. And I think, you know, I often deal with quite heavy sort of subjects, and so it's been really kind of joyful just to
0: just have fun. It sounds like it sounds like you're writing for young Karen. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, and just lots of um, oh, just adventure. You know, pure adventure. Which is always fun, you know. The idea of kids just going off and solving a mystery in the English countryside by themselves, you know, like <laughs> it doesn't get any better, really.
0: Why England?
1: Uh, I think every story is going to be in a different place. Written in the lockdown, so lockdowns. So I guess. I think that's what was really good about starting this series. I was thinking about travel. So mm. every place is somewhere that they travel to. And just the first one was English countryside, which I really love. Like-
0: yeah. And it does tie in really well with those mythological themes. You've got a lot of that woven into the culture. Yeah.
1: So the next one's the Greek islands
0: oh yeah so so good oh i'm so excited to read it it sounds amazing Uh, and i love that you've had fun with it and you found something fun and i've i've noticed that from lots of people i've talked to lots of creative people they've either been working on something that hasn't been so fun and they've changed their mind and found something fun yeah. or they've deliberately sought out something fun. And I, I feel like it's, it feels a bit necessary at the moment, doesn't it? Just it does. To- it really does. And I remember
1: that after my first two novels, or well, my first novel actually, Anatomy of Wings, and having that real struggle with the second novel that I couldn't write and then deciding you know what, I'm just going to find something fun and I'm going to enjoy myself. And that's where I secretly wrote Ophelia and the Marvellous Boy. And it just completely reignited my love for writing. So it's completely necessary sometimes
0: i think yeah that's great advice i think and um because anatomy of wings was pretty highly acclaimed had lots of awards and for your Mm. first book that can put a lot of pressure on you (laughs) and your creativity so i love that you've sought something fun out of it and so you just start writing and you write some drafts so does that mean you don't do much planning um before you start the story
1: Not really. No, I mean, I have a notebook that I always keep. And I'm constantly jotting down ideas. But I'm a terrible plotter, (laughs) which is always like, it bothers me terribly. You'd think I'd get over it by now. But I do really worry about it a lot, because it it just seems like a harder way to write when you're actually writing. But I just can't, I just don't seem to be able to plot. And when I do, you know, when I when I do sort of do big flow sheets and you know I just it gets me nowhere except that maybe I just have an afternoon off from writing (laughs) (laughs) paper and trying to make a map of what I'm doing but
0: yeah
1: I don't know I can't do it so it's a matter of draft after draft and things gradually sort of cementing into
0: place Mm. And they find their story arc, they find their their structure. Are you thinking consciously in those later drafts about, you know, the story arc and things like that or is that just quite an unconscious process for you?
1: Uh, no, I would definitely start to think of, you know, the different threads in the story when, it, when it's all sort of there in a big messy pile. I would start to think, well, what's going to happen to this character, you know? What, what do they want and how are they, you know, what's going to happen to them? And, you know, even in, I guess, in those early stages, I will start to see sort of endings as well. Like in the distance, I'll be able to think, well, this is probably what's going to happen. And I might write that down in my notebook. But just the process of getting there is just lots of different writing.
0: Hmm. Well, everyone has everyone. different... Yeah, yeah different approaches yeah and I think uh part of the strength of that style of writing or that approach to writing is I don't know it opens yourself up to lots of surprises and unknown possibilities and you do have very nuanced characters and nuanced beautiful worlds which feel very rich so it makes sense to me that it it isn't very planned out that it is you know really coming out of your imagination
1: but it gets to a point when you're writing a mystery where you do think man I really should know what's happening here because this is you know and then there's all sorts of angst and lying on beds and refuse yeah. to get up so.
0: there's a very famous mystery authors like oh, Leon Moriarty, leanne moriarty and uh, lee child they neither of them know what's going to happen in the end either yeah. they, they just let their characters find out but that's also part of the compulsion to to write it isn't it that you yeah. want to find out what's going to happen exactly true mm-hmm.
1: Adding things right at the last minute to make get it to all make sense.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, and because you're writing for that younger age group, I know when I've written series, I have had to do a lot of planning just to make them consistent in structure and tone and those sort of things. Um, to me, the structure was helpful. But like what what have been challenges or maybe opportunities writing for this younger age group that you haven't had before um, when you've written for the older kids?
1: I think it just still felt fairly difficult, <laughs> Writing It just seemed pretty difficult. Uh, I think because I'm writing a series, I guess, trying to think ahead and I'm not being a plotter, that makes it quite hard, but I, I guess I've found already in the first two that there's some really sort of things that will be repeated in each story and that's kind of helpful to have. Like, I've got pages filled with stuff that will kind of occur in each
0: story. I
1: don't know about challenges other than it's just the writing process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It feels pretty similar.
0: Yeah. No, that's well, Maybe I guess. Joyful. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the age of the character probably determines a bit who you're writing for. As well. Like, she's a bit younger, isn't she? Yeah. She's
1: mm-hmm. about 10. So. Yeah. That's my normal age, I think, of mm. every that I ever write.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's found its found its feet anyway, um, and because you still work full time, which amazes me, that you're able to produce so many amazing books. Um, how do you do that? What, what's how do you fit in writing in amongst full time work?
1: I guess it just depends on finances. You know, sometimes mm. I'm allowed to have so I can sort of get some time off and at the moment not, so it's just a real juggling act of not having days off basically, just, mm. you know, going to work and then my days off are my writing days and trying not to get too grumpy about it really. <laughs> just, just, I don't really, It's for me at the moment, it's not really a choice. That's what yeah. I have to do and that's what it's always been like, you know, throughout my writing career. Yes, yeah. so I always really never take for granted those times where I do get to just write. They're pretty amazing. But also at the same time, sometimes I don't do as well when I just have to write Mm. for a reason. Like I just seem to need that bit of structure in my life. I probably could have a little less structure and a little (laughs) (laughs) less nursing work, but I don't know. You just sort of make it happen.
0: Yeah, sometimes that pressure. I was going to ask you that. um, Does that pressure help you uh, actually get, the writing out when you have less time i know for me now the kids are both at school and i have days ahead of me i get to friday afternoon i think oh my gosh i hardly wrote anything yeah. <laughs> that's terrible you yeah. feel so guilty all this yeah. t- wasted time i don't know where it goes i think
1: i um really yeah if i'm working then i really just have to sit down on those days off yeah. and most of it at the moment has been editing so you know usually i will try and have a month off and just to get stuff down like if it's new work because I find it really hard to do that in a disjointed fashion I just
0: yeah you You need need to get into a flow of it yeah particularly because your stories are really coming out of the imagination like that if they're always having to go back to work (laughs) that must be tricky Yeah. yeah
1: so hopefully I'll have more time off soon to do number three
0: oh so you're already up to number three that's amazing yeah. Yeah. yeah and when will the second book come out then
1: i think it's just kind of around november maybe november december yeah would
0: be nice so
1: sort of a few months in between each book or yeah
0: nice months. so a couple of books a year is the is the yeah. plan for that yeah. yeah oh that's amazing and are you uh do you have any of your older books on the horizon or are you just putting those on the back burner for now?
1: I'm just I'm just going to try and do this. I have got some other stories that I'm pretty desperate to get to one day, but I think once I start something, I really kind of, certainly with this, I feel like I just have to finish this and then I can sort of maybe focus on those other.
0: Yeah, see it through. And- yeah. Yeah Yeah. well um, I have to tell you Dragon Skin was one of my favorite books from last year it was just such a magnificent artwork really Um, and one of those few times you read a book where it just hits so many different levels you know great story great character amazing setting and and then sort of that x-factor of that you know artisticness to it which was quite nuanced and subtle but yeah, we uh, talked about it in our right in our readers group, our middle grade group, um, okay. chat about books, and and for all of us, it was just a definitive love. You know, it's just such a magnificent book.
1: Well, thank you. It's probably one of the ones I'm most proud of. It felt pretty special.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely, it read in a very special way as well. Um, What was the process like for coming up with that idea? Was that something that germinated for a while or did it just pop into your head like Mary Kate?
1: No, I think I was thinking a lot about Mount Isa where I grew up probably was just sort of a yearning for that place. And then mixed with just thinking about magic, which Mm -hmm. I often do, and just wanting to somehow put them together. And I remember just having kind of a vision of a girl sitting at a tiny waterhole at night or at dusk and sort of the idea that she'd find something amazing. And just kind of went from there. It was actually a short story to start off with. It was just a complete short story, which was a very emotional short story. Like I literally lay on the bed and cried at the end of it. Like I just, it was just such an emotional story. But even even then I knew that it was probably more than a short story. Like I knew I was going to, it had to be expanded. Mm. So I actually put it away for a while and then came back to it and really worked away on it.
0: Hmm. Well, that was yeah the sort of fantasy element of the dragon. Um, I mean, it was obviously present throughout, but it it just was such a real book. Like it was it was so much realism, which are the sort of books that I tend to read. So, yeah, it was it's quite unusual space it inhabited.
1: Yeah, I loved that, but I loved that whole idea that it was such a truthful, real book set in you know entrenched in real life and all its messiness but with this really magical you know heart i guess you would say yeah Mm.
0: and and the hope that comes with that um that mysticism and yeah i suppose that's also what that mystical world gives us as people and readers is that bit of hope or escapism
1: yeah and Mm. it felt really deep like i just felt Um, on so many different levels it could be read on so many different levels and which which was another really lovely thing about it Um, just the thought that people might dip into it children might read it older people might read it but take what they need from it
0: absolutely yeah
1: I've ever really given a piece of art over where I've where I've hoped for that
0: yeah definitely achieves that and I do think that's the maybe the challenge of writing more difficult themes like domestic violence that dragon skin deals with um you know how how do you write about those huge quite scary topics I suppose for a young audience without uh, yeah, you know, you have quite a lot of responsibility, I guess, as a children's author, that your book might land in a young person's hands. How, how do you think about that process while you're dealing with those big topics?
1: At first, when I, you know, even in that short story, when I realised I was dealing with those kind of topics of, you know, coercive control and um, violence, I just I felt a bit scared. But I also felt that it was really important. And I think it was sort of at the time where there was a lot more conversation, like a national kind of conversation starting. And I don't know, it just felt really important to me that I could add my own voice to that through the way that I know how. Um, and to get, you know, having said that, I had to sort of work at getting the balancing act right so that it, you know, wasn't too traumatic. You sort of walk a thin line, I think.
0: Yeah. Do you get much input from your editors with that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, I did. I got. I got. I may have been like slightly too heavy-handed in first draft, so there was probably uh, n- less physical violence in the book that that ended up being, you know, published, which was fine. Like, I, I just, you know, I was really happy with all the advice that I got got there. But it, it did seem, yeah, it just seemed really important.
0: Mm. And, I, you know, that scariness and the you, all of that's still in there. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think that's very effective how you've done that in the way that it could be read by a younger kid who maybe doesn't know what's going on. Uh, yeah. If they haven't got a point of reference and they're going to be okay, they're not going to be um, yeah. traumatized or anything like that from it. so yeah, I think I mean that's yeah definitely must have been a hard balance to strike, but you've done it really well.
1: and also having because I also wanted it to be really hopeful as well.
0: It is so that, yeah.
1: so that if someone you know was reading it who was living that could also see some hope in the
0: situation yeah and i think that's the potency of that particular book is that you know it's you can tell that it's not just fiction in the sense that it 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 could be a fiction that delivers something so much more than entertainment yeah Um, yeah, which is just such an amazing thing to contribute to the the sphere of of books which is just so beautiful
1: and and I just love, you know, more than anything, it, it's a deep book, but I also love mm-hmm. that um, I've had teachers and teacher librarians tell me that she's heard grade six boys arguing <laughs> in her schoolyard about whether, you know, having lengthy discussions about little fella Yeah. And, you know, he, who he is, what's yeah. the reality, you know,
0: yeah. I just love that. Yeah. It's actually playing out. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that your readers are also, you know, all genders and all ages. Yeah. Because yeah. it connect. it does all the adults who I've spoken to love it as readers. So that you're able to kind of write to all those different audiences and connect with them is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has just been such a beautiful conversation, Karen. And for me personally, long overdue, because <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm such a big fan of your writing, but I'm also just a big fan of you as a person. Um, and think you're a wonderful person um so yeah and I I think I've read a couple of your books since I've actually seen you in person uh so reading them just feels like such a beautiful gift and I just want to talk to you about them because it's just so wonderful
1: we'll have to catch up one day won't we
0: oh absolutely well now that things are kind of opening up again and life's getting normal uh it feels like that Will be possible. (laughs) Which is exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Karen. And we can't wait to read and look out for your wonderful book. (laughs) Thanks, Annie. Thank you for listening to the Sunshine House podcast. This episode is produced by Jen Pitch, and the theme music is by Gregor Hutchka and produced by Brett Canning. Join us over at our Facebook group by searching sunshine house writers and creatives i also run courses for book creators my current course is called creative season which is a series of short workshops for book creators covering things like book promotion marketing school visits and getting published you can visit my website at www.zannyluise.com to secure your spot have a lovely sunshiny day wherever you are